the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents The Golden Guys. Thank you for being a nerd. Hosted by Rick, the Sussman Sussman, and Maximus, Chad Allen. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to The Golden Guys, uh, your uh, weekly trip down uh, wrestling's memory lane, I guess. Uh, I am uh, one of your hosts, Chad Allen. With me, as always, is uh, Rick the Sussman Sussman. Rick, how are you doing today? I am doing fine, my good friend. I am doing fine. I, I like to consider ourselves um, historians of the nerd wrestling kind. <laughs> That'd be Which like is an, probably overstating it, but whatever, it's we'll fine. I, I, I enjoy our discussions from our digital porch that's with right. our digital sweet teas. Uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I have orange Kool-Aid today instead of sweet tea, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, today we're going to kind of keep following a bit, of a, a bit of a line here. We had uh, originally last week covered uh, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik, the beginning of Hulkamania. We're going to kind of continue to follow this path a little bit towards uh, WrestleMania 1. <coughs> Excuse me. As we um, <coughs> cover, like, the next big event in that, which was the war to settle the score. Um, yeah. And so. uh, I was going to say, um, before we get into why that matters to me, why it's such a big deal, um, I, 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 you and I talked about this off air, but we actually had a, a pretty fantastic response to our first episode, which yeah. is really kind of unbelievable so thank you so much that's yeah. really great of you guys for tuning in yeah thank you guys for listening hopefully you know you all you all won't run away now uh, and you'll stick with <laughs> us on the, stick with us on this path here uh as we uh, go down the, like i said down that uh th- this lane here so uh the, the, <laughs> yes. the word to settle the score before i go into a big explanation of what that was uh rick what what do you remember of this do you remember watching it originally when it came out i I I don't remember I couldn't remember how old you would be at the time this came out. I think it was about 1985, 1984, something like that. Um I was definitely too young to really have any claim to know what was going on. I would have been between 3 and 5 depending yeah. on the exact year. So I I'm not going to sit here and tell you I remember any of this or that it, it, it meant that much to me, but it did mean a lot in the end because it created the most important thing in my life for a very long time, which was uh, the rock and wrestling connection, specifically the cartoon. Uh, the cartoon that I had all of the cool uh, uh, kid uh, stuff about. You know, I, I had the, the bedspread, I had the sheets, I had the whole nine. So when you suggested this and I went back and started watching it, I said, oh, hot damn, this is where that came from. So while I don't remember it, it was still a very important moment in wrestling lore for me particularly. Uh, I do somewhat remember watching this. I was a little older than you were, obviously, at the time frame this came out, uh, and had been a fan of wrestling for quite a while, was also a fan of the uh, the cartoon show. Uh, for those of you that don't know this event, this was kind of a build-up uh, to an ongoing thing between... Rowdy Roddy Piper in complete, like, absolute um, amazing heel mode. Uh, heyday of Piper's Pit. Uh, right after he smashed a coconut on Jimmy Snooka's head and uh, things like that, we get to um, 
a situation where oh god, I'm now trying to remember how to build the, how kind of how to build this all up. Um, <laughs> Piper. Piper was having an issue with the fact that the rock and wrestling connection was becoming a thing and decided to try to take it out on basically Cindy Lauper, who was kind of the rock portion of this connection, um, who was managing then women's champion Wendy Richter, um, her boyfriend slash manager David Wolf, and... Um, and later on in this feud, Captain Lou Albano, and the way they get to that part was even more hysterical. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, oh, yes. The, the great references to Lewis. I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so Piper ends up uh, breaking something, breaking a gold record that was being given to Captain Lou Albano over his head. He kicks Cindy Lauper out of the way when she tries to cover up Captain Lou to save him. She he body slams David Wolf in the middle of the ring. Uh, it just chaos ensues, which of course brings out you know everybody's favorite Orange Knight, Hulk Hogan, um, to to save to ultimately try to save the day and be the you know and be the you know, the hero in shining red and yellow armor to come out and, and take down the bad guy, Roddy Piper. Well, this sets up a title match that Piper basically go Togan into uh, at this event called the War to Settle the Score, which was, interestingly enough, covered not on pay-per-view, not on closed circuit, uh, but this was done live on MTV uh, back in the day when MTV was first in its opening stages and was um, definitely, like, the biggest thing going at the time. Like, this was MTV's probably major heyday that everybody, the I want my MTV thing was a huge deal. Um, and the fact that they were not only, you know, a part of this rock and wrestling connection, but all basically all in with it um, and covering this match was a huge thing for the WWE and probably a pretty big deal for M- for MTV at the time. Uh, in them covering something other than just a rotation of music videos that they were playing, almost like, you know, a radio station. So, uh, did I cover this, the short version of yeah, the history? There is so much. There is so much that we now attribute to just everyday <laughs> wrestling culture that comes out of this. Um, it, you don't notice it. Uh, at least I didn't. Uh, obviously, you know, we'd mention how you have a little bit more time than I do on, on me on this, but. You had no idea, or at least I had no idea, how big this was. I didn't realize it. I, I didn't know it. But it, 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 this is this is sort of the the beginning. Much in how our last episode was the beginning of Hulkamania. Well, this is the beginning of wrestling being cool. I mean, we we think about uh, it's much more you know relevant in the '90s with the Attitude Era and with um, Diesel you know taking part in the in the, the rock and jock baseball and all that. But this is where all that started, that connection between MTV and wrestling, specifically the WWF. And because of it, it, it matters so much more than, than I ever really would have ever realized had we not gone back and revisited it. Yeah. So definitely a huge issue from there. So now let's, let's kind of start at the beginning of this um, recording. You've got one of the MTV VJs who, for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't downtown Julie Brown, so I don't care. Um <laughs> <laughs> so many jokes, so many jokes. Yeah. But that was 
I always thought she was hot. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear you say this. No. But, um, and Mean Gene Okerlund is the other kind of main person on the pre-show of all of this. Um, talking about the lead-up, kind of what we've just talked about earlier with the Captain Lou Albano stuff. Um, but let, let's stop on Captain Lou for a second. So Captain Lou Albano originally started out as kind of a bad guy in this. But ended up becoming a a good guy and on the side of rock and roll, making an apology to Cindy Lauper because he was originally taking credit for Cindy Lauper's fame because he starred he was in one of her videos. Uh, in right. fact, probably her most famous video, the girls that just want to have fun video. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, what happened with Captain Lou Albano at this point? I want to let you tell this part of the story. So Captain Lou, recognizing the error of his ways, I, I, I guess, um, realizes that he's been a bad guy and he needs to make amends. <laughs> and by making amends, he, he becomes Captain Louis Albano, which is, I, I guess if you're a Louis, you're a better person. I don't know how any of this works. I, I wasn't around for these things, you, you people with your craziness. I don't know. But my favorite part is, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 please, please, please. My my favorite part is is um, the interview with his doctor, who <laughs> who tries to explain in the greatest gorilla monsoon ease I've ever heard, um, explain about his malfunctioning medulla oblongata, uh, how. Uh, it, you know, how, you know, all of this is the basic major issues with his brain from multiple headshots in the past has caused him issues. That, which is why he was a bad guy. Is yeah. He had all these, this brain trauma. Right. So the best way to fix it was just daily, daily, uh, a daily electrical shock to his brain and he's perfectly fine. And, so, and the great thing about that, of course, is Captain Lou is sitting there, you know, getting electroshock treatment right. as we're watching him, and you see his eyes get real big and then real sad, and his eyes get yeah. real big again. He's just twitching like a like a weirdo. It's it's the funniest thing in the world. But uh, yeah, if you get a chance, um, I know we found this on YouTube. I did not look to see if this is on the network this time, uh, but it's definitely on on YouTube. You should definitely go look this up. If for nothing more than Captain Lou's, like weird electroshock face. Uh, it's absolutely hysterical. So now, now what I want to do now, and I don't mean to jump ahead so quickly, no, but please do. we actually have a real match here. Um, and I want to, I really want to get into what I saw from the <laughs> wrestling. Um, so okay. if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to leapfrog us just a little bit in yeah. time because there were other really funny parts about the buildup and you definitely need to watch it. Yeah. Go, go but watch I, it. I, for, want, I will say briefly, go watch it for interviews with D Snyder. Uh, oh, yes. For interviews with um, uh, Ted Nugent. Um, uh, like, Political correspondent Ted Nugent. <laughs> right. Uh, like, they had a bunch of celebrities who were all chiming in on this before the event started. And I'm looking back, and, and you know, the names that they have on there are, for music-wise, are some pretty darn big names, obviously, thanks to the MTV connection. But WWE would kill for, like, names of, of this magnitude nowadays to come out and, like, be a part of their shows like they were for this year. So, Absolutely. But, Absolutely. yeah, so let's jump to the match. So uh, we, we, we have traditional Roddy Piper 
come out to, uh, I believe it was the New York um, uh, bagpipes, or it might have been the police officers of guild. New- but it's actually kind of, he gets a lot of pomp and circumstance for the heel to come out, wouldn't you agree? Yes. I uh, definitely got the New York pipe, pipe and drums. Uh, which, which is a, which is a lot of fun to watch, but yeah, definitely, uh, uh it, you know, it, I guess something that you would kind of come to expect from Roddy, obviously, as his career goes on is that he, you know, definitely enjoyed some days having that, that pomp and circumstance with him. And I thought, it, I thought that was a lot of fun. So, but I was always a big Roddy Piper fan, so I might be a little biased in this. Well, and we all really are. And he comes out with not just himself, but who joins him? Which is kind of astonishing, looking back on it now. Um, and I'm trying to remember, because, I mean, he came out with Bob Orton. Yes, the ace, his ace in the hole, cowboy yeah. Bob Orton. Who is... Uh, daddy of of the greatest of all time, of course. Um, well, not really. No. Yeah. Speaking hyperbolized. Right. Um, how did you like that? How did you like seeing cowboy Bob come out Knowing what we know about him now and all this other stuff, to me, that was really neat. And then we'll get right to the match because it gets crazy in a hurry. But what did you think about seeing Cowboy Bob with your today eyes? See, now, I may not have been as shocked as you were about this, only because I remember um, even before this, Cowboy Bob Orton was always kind of Roddy's bodyguard. Um, Ah, so he was that was always kind of his role in the WWE especially after the Snuka incident uh is when he started really having Cowboy Bob out there with him to protect him from people that were going to be after him. The part that I did get a chuckle out of of all of this was Cowboy Bob Orton coming out with his arm in a sling. Of course. Which obviously just predates barely Bob Orton's um you know cast that he had, I believe he still wears even up to when he makes appearances now. So, <clears throat> so let's see, that was 1985, it is 2018, so that's like, what, a 33-year-old arm injury now? Well, you know, it's an old war wound, you can't, you can't discount that, things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's how we'll look at it, so. But, but yeah, so that's, uh. So that's where we're at on the on that there. So yeah, no, Orton did not surprise me. Like I said, he was definitely always a part of uh Roddy's entourage for lack of for lack of a better term. So Rod Taraj. we'll go with that one. So um now uh Hogan, um uh, speaking of uh, entourages, uh comes out with Cindy Lauper, with Dave Wolf, with Captain Lou Lou Albano. Uh, and himself once again coming out to Eye of the Tiger, uh, which of course led to a very interesting meetup outside the ring when uh, one Mr. T just so happened to be sitting at ringside um, in possibly the greatest running suit, uh, the greatest track suit I've ever seen in my life. Yes, absolutely. And I didn't know what was going on at first. I thought Hogan was just like losing his mind at somebody. Well, I mean, that's a possibility too. But... Um, <laughs> In this instance, it was his his best friend, Mister T. Let you believe that or not, if you like. I don't. I'm not particular. <laughs> best, um, best buddy in the whole world. Right? Yeah they they made it sound like he's like they're you know having coffee and drinks every morning, and I'm sure that's completely not the case. <laughs> um, but of course, they connected that over the fact that they were both in Rocky Three, 
which is also really funny because I guarantee you at no point of time was Mr. T on the set at the same time Hogan was and vice versa. I, I don't remember them ever sharing the scene. Honestly, like, uh, that's, that's a pretty reasonable thing to not expect. Like, why would these two guys be within the same room of each other? Well, they weren't even in the same... I don't even believe Mr. T shows up in that scene at all. So, it's like, you know, I, I mean, they're in the same movie, but, you know, so were Pacino and De Niro in Godfather 2. That doesn't mean they were ever in the room together. It's just, you know... <coughs> so... But, uh, so what... Now that you've seen the match, uh, what, what are some of your yes. thoughts on the match itself? So the match itself, I actually, I was kind of floored with what we saw in the match. It, of course, I, I'm now uh, old enough to understand that Hogan's um, shtick is always for better or for worse to do insanely dumb heel tactic things and uh, get away with it because not only, did, well, not only does Hogan get away with it, but nobody even bothers to point out the fact that he's just blatantly cheating. Everyone's just, you know, whatever, it's fine. Right. It's totally cool. Yeah, Hogan Hogan gets away with murder um, doing the exact same thing somebody like Piper or the Sheik would do. But because it's Hogan, it's like... Because Hogan's doing it, it it's like, you know, fighting fire with fire. But if they do it back <laughs> to him, it's like the, the biggest crime against humanity since, you know... Whatever. I, I won't say Whatever. what runs in my head. So, <laughs> But I I loved watching... Like, these two actually have... And I'm going to... I know this might be blasphemous. I'm going to give all the credit for the fury and the fire that we see in this match to Roddy Piper. Of course. Uh, I'm going to take that leap. I hope you don't uh, chastise me too hard. Um, but we actually see a, a pretty well-put-together match. Right. Which... Coming off of the Sheik debacle, I was not really expecting. Right. So, um, it's not a long match, but it does a much better job of storytelling, and uh, you know the, the back and forth is much more believable. Um, Rowdy gets a full mount, and you're like, Rowdy, you're you're seven inches shorter than Hulk, so Hulk immediately flips him over, and they start. It's all just fists and kicks and anger, and it's actually very good. Yeah. No, it's it's amazingly good. You're absolutely right. I think a lot of the fury because, like, unlike the the Hogan Sheik match um, from last week, where Hogan comes out, comes out like a house of fire and just starts uh, mauling the Iron Sheik, and you know, even but you know, just as soon as that bell rings, both of them come charging right at each other. There's no like you know, there's no backing down from from Roddy, which again, knowing his career and knowing where he you know kind of where it goes from here isn't all that shocking really but like especially then like having somebody go directly at, at hulk hogan at like the height of his um you know superpowers you know the the beginning of hulkamania here where like nobody could touch him having somebody like piper throw fists with him and not get back down even to the point of getting a sleeper hold locked on him and getting him down for a bit was would have been downright shocking at the time, I'm sure. So, so we we have this very good back and forth, uh, an, an excellent, if I dare say, match for the time. I mean, there are parts that you would be silly to ignore as not being that great. It's just it, it's the time. But right. I don't. I personally am not going to take points away 
um, based upon that, okay, maybe a kick to the head shouldn't be that devastating. But again, it's not really fair to judge 80s wrestling by the year 2018 standards, but um, let, and I'm not going to. You know what? I'm going to pause you there for a second, though. Is it more fair to not compare it to 2018 standards, or is it a better question to look at 2018 standards and wonder, like, you do MMA. You train MMA. You know what a, a kick to, you know, a single kick to the head, if placed right, can do to an individual. That's true. Is it maybe, is it more that, like, oh, how quaint that, you know, that that 1985 wrestling is? Or is it, have we gone so far off the deep end here at this time that a kick, the kick to the head that should be pretty devastating isn't as much now because because of what wrestling has become? It's an interesting dichotomy. Um, on the one hand, you know, it, it is important um, to remember that this was the 80s and a boot to the noggin will do as much damage as uh, today as it did then. Um, but I, I don't know how to properly phrase it. it it's, it's escaping me how to say that, yes, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right with your assessment. I think part of wrestling is the suspension of disbelief. It, it is, you know, a cartoon in many sure. ways. So perhaps that is where I'm, that, that's my sense. That's my feeling is, yes, you're right. A kick to the head will put you down if properly placed. But I'm so used to wrestling not being like that, that maybe I can't really accept it. Right. And then that might be on me because of my desensitization. Desensi- desens- can't talk anymore. Yeah. Because that. I'm desensitized to it. No, and I and I agree. So, it's just it's a weird spot to look at though. Like, you know, like you said, you're right. A kick to the head nowadays, unless it's like Randy Orton with the big like lead up punt kick, doesn't do the damage it should, but back in the day, especially when this was supposed to be considered actual combat should should do that much damage. It should create that much of a, you know, you know, that much of a, of a, you know, a, a fight in it. So, but that's just, you know, I guess that's just me. It's looking, and like you said, it's, you know, 30 plus years in the difference here. So we have to kind of try to look back at it, you know, the way it was while trying not to put it too much in current, uh, you know, current situation. So... Yes. And, and and not just a ref bump, but an honest to goodness, it looked, I mean, Hogan gets shoved into the ropes and in the process he hits the ref and the ref is, of course, made of fiberglass. So he, you know, or Fabergé or whatever, he crumbles into a heap, never to be seen or heard from again, died instantly. But it creates a, a weird environment. And, and, and then we have a run in from, Yes. And that's really <clears throat> kind of where it ends. That's my... And you know what, though? When all hell breaks loose, that might be my favorite part of this, because, like, now if all hell breaks loose, they send out a bunch of, quote-unquote, security guys, which, yes. you know, maybe due to our smarkiness here, we realize is, like, you know, a bunch of guys from whatever the local indie scene is that they've hired 
to come out and, you know, bump all over the place when the wrestlers hit them to try to make it look like chaos. But this one here, because they had, whether they're real or not, I don't know, but because they had uniformed NYPD jumping into the ring to try to help break this up, um, I really got into it. It seemed really, it seemed more chaotic because it seemed so believable that like, you know, we've got people coming in from all over the place. We've got cops rushing in. Hogan and Piper are still trying to go after each other even after it's done. But like the police are pulling him apart. Mr. T jumps in. It's like, it's a whole thing, which obviously is, you know, looking a forward now sets up what ends up being WrestleMania one. Uh, and that main event of Hogan and T versus Piper and Orndorff. Um, but yeah, the chaos seems so realistic to me because of the way they, the way they did it with the police and the like, I thought that ending was, was absolutely amazing. I was completely drawn into every second of it. So, See, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. Um, in retrospect, even having just watched it, I do understand why the ending is what it is. You leave the people wanting more. You know, now they can tune in for the real event. I, I'm not a fool. I understand what happened. But to me, it was disappointing because I felt... I felt as though this was a missed opportunity. Um, the WWE, WWF at this time, um, had the opportunity to have a full match, a real match. This is real wrestling, bring in a whole new crowd. And to me, and again, it, it obviously I'm wrong, and I'm free to admit that because it clearly worked. Or we wouldn't be having this conversation right, right. now. But I, I look at that and I'm like, ah, oh, they didn't even have a winner. Like, part of me was really disappointed. Like, ah, I didn't even get to see who wins this. But, uh, you know, it's, it's free TV. What, what, what kind of moron am I? I shouldn't expect that sort of stuff. Does that, does my, my disappointment, does that sort of ring any amount of truths with you? Do you, oh, you sort of see where I'm going? I can understand how you would be disappointed, but I can, I can also see that, like, right after that, like, you're like, oh, man, exactly what you just said there. I didn't get a winner. I'm really disappointed I didn't get to see that. But now, like, but I still think in the back of your mind, the next question then becomes, okay, but what happens? Okay, so what happens now then? You know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to draw you in to want to know, like, you know, because, like, later on we get these post-match interviews where, you know, Hogan and T are, first off, having the biggest love in I've ever seen ever. It's really kind oh, of good. Oh, they're such good friends. Um, but, but, you know, talking about how, you know, this isn't over and, and Piper, like Piper is my favorite walking in straight out of the shower, towel still wrapped around his waist, um, basically calling Hogan a coward saying that the, you know, the whole like kerfuffle at the end was completely his fault, that he was just using that to dodge him, um, is just the greatest setup for, you know, what's coming that I, that I think you could get. And I think you had the absolute best superhero character going probably ever uh, in Hogan and probably one of the, if not best, like, super, you know, every hero has, you know, Superman has Lex Luthor, Batman has the Joker. Um, you know, you've got all these you know, big, you know, 
big name turnaround here. Hogan always had Piper, and without Piper, this wouldn't have been what it was. Um, but you know, the two needed each other to to play off of, and I think it only helps create what comes after this. So, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I it's weird. You know, we had a lot more to say last week um, about this based upon the silliness and the ridiculous of it. But now we have what is genuinely a very good match, honestly. And I don't have a lot of things to say. And I almost feel like I'm betraying how good this really was. I I can't do it enough justice to just sit here and tell you that, no, seriously, it was, it was actually quite good. It was very well done. It, well, the- I almost, I, I, I feel, I feel almost negative about my review of it because of how just matter of fact it was. And it was... It was quite good. Well, then here, I will give you an opportunity to please mock Joe Piscopo and... Um, <laughs> okay, all right. I wondered when we were going to get to that. <laughs> and uh, who else was it that came out? It was Joe Piscopo and... Who was the other? Danny DeVito, that's right. Um, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito cannot look less interested in this event. If you had told him that his hair was on fire, he might have turned around and said, oh, no kidding. <laughs> Which which might make it even better is that's the person Roddy interrupted. Was was definitely yeah. Danny DeVito. And I, I don't know why that made me laugh so much, but it, it did. So Yeah, they that was uh yeah, some of the they, there's a bunch of post show like celebrities that came in. And again, it, like if you know those celebrities, like Danny DeVito was on taxi at the time. Right. Which was a huge hit. Joe Piscopo so was Piscopo was as well. No, Piscopo was on Saturday Night Live. Um, okay, Piscopo was part of like the the like return to greatness for Saturday Night Live because it was him and Eddie Murphy right about that time frame. Um, and then like you had Andy Warhol before that, who was you know obviously a very famous you know artist and the like at the time frame, um, who looked just stoned as hell. Um, <laughs> You know, Mr. T was just coming off of Rocky Three, and I think the A-Team was going right about them. So you've got some pretty huge name celebrities that are on this show. And some of them look like they had a blast. I think Piscopo looked like he actually had fun. Uh, DeVito, yeah, definitely looked like he got dragged there by somebody, though. So... Yeah. It's, it's adorable. Oh, He's yeah. so not happy to be there. Yeah, it was yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can, uh, can I leave uh, now? The way he came in and he beat that guy up, man. That was that was mean, man. I, like, <laughs> what's wrong, Danny? Who hurt you? Yeah. Show me on the doll where they hurt you. See the funny part is mean Gene Okerlund would just pick Danny DeVito up. Show me on the doll and it's like, oh no, that's oh, actually you. Show, show me on the DeVito where they hurt that's you. That's right. So <laughs> Uh, any other uh, any other last second thoughts on this uh, on the war to settle the score before we uh, before we part uh, today, uh, Mr. Sussman? Well, as I as I rock back and forth on my on my delicate uh, uh, imaginary rocking chair on our digital 
front porch here as I sip the last of my, my, my tea. I can't help but think about how much better this was versus what we discussed last week. True. Last week was incredibly important. It is the beginning of Hulkamania. It is, it is such a big moment. And it is such a, eh, who cares in the end. Right. And then you look at this event and you say, wow, this was great. This was pro wrestling before I even, before I even knew what pro wrestling was. Right. This is, this is something that you can point to, have your friends go watch and be proud that they're watching it. Absolutely true. And you're absolutely right. This was the time frame when wrestling was for the first time in a long time, probably ever, was becoming cool on a national level, not just like, you know, Bruno San Martino was a big name, but he was a big name in just like the New York and East Coast area. He wasn't necessarily like a world-renowned name, like what some of these guys end up becoming, like Hogan and Piper and those guys. Um, So... You know, it's very interesting to kind of look back and see where it all started at. So, uh, and I'll definitely be interested to in doing doing more of it as uh, as we go on here because I don't know. I think we might have to move over to the uh, to the National Wrestling Alliance next. However, though, I think it's time to uh, to kind of look at the other side of the coin and see what guys like the Horsemen like we're doing from there. So, uh, see now you're now you're speaking my language, but this is a known fact, so I, I get it. So, and I, I think you might be right. It. it, it we're focusing a lot, but it, there's a lot to focus on, and that's right. that's the beauty of of being one of the golden guys is we get to go back and we get to think about with our with our with our current age. That's right. Is it still good? Is it <laughs> is it still relevant? So, <laughs> are we still relevant? Are we still relevant? Might be a good question too. So. So, well, everybody, thank you once again for uh, listening to the second episode of the Golden Guys. Uh, obviously we do appreciate it. Uh, until next time, everybody, uh, I am Chad Allen. And I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman. And, uh, until next time, everybody, you can get the hell off of our lawns.